This podcast is brought to you by the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. How do you best solve problems when they incur in the office? Well, new research suggesting that showing your emotions may be able to help increase problem solving. Michael Park is assistant professor of management with the Wharton School, and he was part of the team doing this research, and he joins us right now to discuss it. Michael, thanks for a few moments today. Yeah, no problem. Thanks, Dan. Thanks for having me. Thank you. So take us through this. What was the, I guess, the impetus for starting this, and and what did you find out in going through uh, uh, looking at the research for this? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we kind of started from this place where there's this sort of assumption that, you know, you have to have these positive environments when you're doing creative work with others, you know, and that started from these old brainstorming rules by someone named Osborne in the 1950s where don't criticize others. And when we were noticing like qualitative papers and case studies and seeing organizations where they're much more authentic, they let people have criticism and negative emotions like doubt, confusion, and they express those and they work through them, we just sort of were like, maybe it doesn't have to be positive. Maybe it's better actually to let people share their authentic emotions, whether they're positive or negative, and work through them, try to elaborate them, try to get at the root of the problem or the issues that they're seeing. And, you know, that's what we motivated this research. And then we did um, a field study and two experiments. We tested that hypothesis and we found that teams that have this environment where they feel comfortable sharing their genuine emotions with their team members and they don't just um, ignore them, but they work through them, they, they elaborate right. them. They not only um, come up with better ideas and insights, but they, they get to the richer discussions as well. So they're, they're more creative. They produce more creative outcomes. Not sure if you're able to dig into this, but from a historical perspective, I, I, and I, this is just, you know, from what I anecdotally you know, remember about being in offices, really, I think emotions were, were to a degree frowned upon in years past in terms of bringing that oh, into yeah. the office. So I'm wondering if this is to a degree a little bit of like we've seen with a lot of things, a bit of a generational shift right now. You know, I, I think there's definitely something to that in terms of the, the trends you're seeing over time, but you're absolutely right. So like some of my other work has looked into this and the types of climates organizations um, have, and it really started from this belief that emotions were irrational and they lead to poor decision-making, they lead to conflict. And unless they were sort of mildly pleasant, you know, like happiness and, and you know, the, 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 the little humor here and there, you're right. They were they were frowned upon. But what we've noticed um, in the research since then is, first and foremost, that's not the case. It's not that emotions fundamentally drive irrationality. It's how emotions are used. So, for example, your gut and intuition can be telling you something important if you analyze and systematically look into that. If you just use your gut without that analysis, then you're more likely to have bias. And then the other thing you realize is that you know, suppressing emotions is not a good way at dealing with them and managing them. And in fact, organizations that try to keep them away aren't really successful. And you create a whole more host of problems from that than what we're finding is having these more authentic approaches and dealing with them more productively. So I understand one of the focal points was around the idea of authenticity. Yes, absolutely. So authenticity, you know, it's kind of like, 
it's, it's similar just to use an analogy, you know, how we're trying to promote more diversity. So instead of saying, mm-hmm. oh, people need to be a certain way and they need to have um, certain backgrounds, you know, let's be more open to the diverse perspectives and ideas that people bring to the table and their backgrounds and their experiences. I think that this research on authenticity with emotions is a nice parallel to that, because basically what we're saying is said, okay, instead of forcing people to be like positive all the time or, you know, professional, right? You see that a lot in professional organizations. We need to be serious and non-biased. Why don't we just be more open to the diversity and the range of expressions, the types of emotions people have, because those are fundamentally telling something about the work. You know, if you're excited, Mm -hmm. there might be an inkling of an idea that you haven't quite cognitively formulated yet, but you want to explore. Similarly, there might be frustration that is is related to the work that you can't quite understand in a a very, you know, uh, linguistic way until you kind of dig into that emotion. And so that's what we're trying to say is let's be more open to the emotions that people have, let them express them and work through them. And so that's where the authenticity comes in. And it sounds like to a degree, this is also playing into this uh, focus more around culture in the office that we've been hearing talked about uh, quite a bit over the last few years. Absolutely. So I think this authenticity definitely ties into, um, you know, other words that you've seen as like transparency and radical transparency, right? So, you know, you see some of this happening at companies like Bridgewater Associates and Netflix and even Google to a certain extent where, you know, they're trying to promote promote these more open and transparent cultures and in doing so, part of the culture, the emotions of the place, you know, and these, these can emerge in such simple interactions. Like what happens in a meeting if someone gets upset, you know, is it kind of kill the conversation and then if people are acting all awkwardly and then it's not really resolved or it's ignored or, you know, a leader shuts it down and say, Hey, let's not, let's not be like, um, or is it say, Oh, sorry, we might, um, you know, leaders who express curiosity, oh, sorry, maybe we misunderstood a point. Can you, can you further elaborate? Or, hey, I know why you're feeling excited or um, frustrated, the validation, which encourages people to open up. So these kind of, um, you know, in, even in our study, we explored this role of empathic communication where people are curious towards the feelings of others really plays a difference in creating these authentic environments. And so, yes, sorry, so it definitely do, relates to the culture you're talking about. So do you see this playing up and down kind of the corporate ladder? I mean, do you see these elements of emotions now being looked at and, and focused on and, and being used for the, the benefit of the company from, you know, from the bottom rung of the company all the way up through the C-suite? I think it should be. Whether it's happening is, is kind of a good question, and I think we need to do some more research to, to show that. You know, in the recent years, and you've probably heard of this, maybe even talked about it on your radio show, psychological safety, right, which is a similar sure. a similar yeah. concept. You know, the, the concept we kind of explored, I, I like to refer to it as emotional safety. And psych safety is more about, like, your, your thoughts and ideas and communication. We know promoting that is really important to trust and to have good ideas and unique perspectives. And I think there absolutely needs to be more attention to the emotions because, we still haven't really developed the the capabilities to be as comfortable and um, articulate about dealing with emotions in the workplace. And so I think that may be the next evolution that we see, especially when you're thinking of like computers and robots and AI, which one of the differentiating factors between humans and artificial intelligence is the ability to kind of experience and discern emotions. So I do, I do think and hope that that is the next sort of, 
evolution of businesses is we just deal with emotions that are in the workplace. Well, and I would imagine that this is something that to a degree has not been an element that has occurred overnight. I mean, there has been a little bit of a, of a time that this kind of development, this process has kind of worked into uh, seeing how businesses can succeed. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, you, you see it from even companies such as like, you know, Southwest Airlines, right, which has been a case study for years in business schools. And they have a very authentic and pos- more positive environment, right? So you can kind of classify um, these workplaces on a, on a range from um, authenticity. So do they promote open sharing of emotions to suppression where they, they don't want emotions negative or, or positive? And then you can also characterize them by their valence. Where are they? Do they lean more negative, kind of aggressive, which you might talk about a company like Amazon is more like that, to more positive, to like a company like Google or Southwest Airlines, right? And so you're absolutely right. Like this has been, we've had examples, we've had um, studies, you know, um, there's a whole literature on something called emotional labor, which is about these rules that they make employees try to act a certain way. And this comes with customer interactions. Oh, you need to be, you need to be happy with customers, right? And we find yeah. that these rules and these norms that constrain people' reactions really can create sort of burnout, exhaustion, suppression, um, less motivation to do the work versus these company, companies that train employees and empower them and say, you know what, we trust you to interact appropriately and respectfully with others and, co- and colleagues and customers. Um, and you don't need to just always suppress your bad feelings if you're feeling them, right? Let's work through them and let's have productive ways of coping with them. It is kind of interesting because, you know, playing off of what I said before, that it feels like you're taking something that was perceived to be a negative and actually turning it into a positive. And it may have, and I'm again, I'm not sure to what level, but it may have a positive bottom line impact for the company as you move forward. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the argument we're certainly making in some of our theory and, you know, and the empirical findings are there too. And um, there are some sort of um, larger scale studies that have been done. Even my colleague, Stigal Versailles in, at Wharton has done these studies with multiple, um, you know, hospital units that have better sort of patient satisfaction outcomes, patient care, when they have these more authentic, um, you know, and she studied it in, in a specific emotion about companion love, like friendship, warmth caring and compassion in these organizations. So absolutely, I think we're going to see more and more examples of affecting the bottom line. That's certainly what we're theorizing. You're seeing it more in the individual level. Certainly, we have the, the data to suggest at the individual level, employees are much more happier in these more authentic environments. And I think we're going to certainly aggregate more data at the, the firm level that, that suggests that as well. So is there a next step for you that, that you naturally see off of this research and, and what kind of impact do you think that this, uh, that this research can have longer term? Yeah, absolutely. So I think the next step is, you know, we're continuing to follow this up. You know, we did a, we did a large scale study with um, a medical company where we, we tried to assess the um, emotion climate across, I think we got around 600 different practices across the United States. So again, trying to look at those, you know, um, bottom line outcomes, in these different units. And so we're, we're looking at that and seeing if we replicate these findings in sort of larger scale study. Um, so that's kind of the next step. But then as far as the impact I think this research can have, I think most um, significantly and probably um, urgently for leaders 
is be like, you know, having the courage to deal with emotions and, and not just the positive ones, but being curious, being validating people's experiences, right? Not trying to shove them away, not trying to ignore them or, or, or feeling awkward and, and feeling like, oh, those emotions aren't the right, uh, you know, they're not for the workplace, but actually having the courage to like, you know, if someone gets upset to talk to them and try to explain and be curious about what the causes are and don't just sort of dismiss people for having different emotions. And similarly, you know, bad outcomes can come from positive emotions, right? We may, 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 well, excuse me, we may make decisions too quickly if we're all excited. So who's, who's kind of saying, okay, why are we excited? Let's actually quantify this. Let's actually articulate this better so we can make sure we have a good outcome instead of just making an intuitive decision. So I think the leaders that get that and are paying attention to that, that should be the most immediate impact right now. Great to have you with us. Uh, thanks very much for a few moments, Michael. All the best to you. Greatly appreciate it. Thanks so much, Dan. appreciate it. Thank you. Michael Park, who is Assistant Professor of Management with the Wharton School. To keep engaged with Wharton Business Daily and other Wharton School shows, visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.